Hello and welcome to this Newton & Co podcast, a production for Eye for the Light. Today, uh, Chris Coe, my co-host and I are joined by, uh, well, a name that may well be very familiar to you, but possibly not in photographic circles, but I assure you he is a fabulous photographer as well, Richard Dunwoody. Um, I'm going to let Chris do a little more of an introduction on him uh, and then we'll get into some questions. Hi, everybody. Um, well, Richard was champion jockey multiple times, I believe, and uh, has I left the motor, ra motor racing, horse racing <laughs> industry <laughs> um, and, uh, and is now a photographer. So, um, Richard, people will know your name from that horse racing career, which is very successful. Were you interested in photography before then or has it, it come about since you left racing? Chris, yeah, um, I think I was as a kid, I was quite interested in photography. And uh, at school, went to, to a school called Rankham near uh, near Sarancester, and I had a dark room there. And uh, I did actually get sort of well into my 14, 15. Uh, I remember having a Practica uh, MTL, I think it was MTL3, uh, one of the old, old Practicas. And uh, even then, I remember going around the race courses, I remember going up to Fakenham one day, getting a load of shots, taking them, taking them back to the, the, um, the dark room, developing them. They weren't much good. But uh, so I did. I had that interest as, as, a, as a kid. And then through my racing career, my, my ex-wife now, um, Carol, uh, she became a professional photographer on the, on the course, got some pretty good shots of me falling off and things like that. <laughs> um, but, uh, and I obviously had a, a lot of friends uh, sort of amongst the photographers as, as well. Uh, Ed Byrne, who is one of the, the very best um, racing photographers during the 70s and 80s every year. Um, he used to produce a fantastic annual um, that I always used to buy. And uh, Ed was, was a good, is a good friend. Um, um, and then also, um, I ended up sort of after I retired, then I ended up, um, going into business with another photographer, Lawrence Squire, another very good, uh, equestrian photographer. Um, so I always had that, that interest. And then, um, as developed through the two thousands after, um, my racing career started traveling, traveling a lot with a company called Wild Frontiers, a venture, venture travel company. Um, taking leading trips for, for them. And obviously there were always a few photographers amongst the groups and everything else. And I would take a, a camera with, with me as, as well, um, but come back with really, really moderate shots. <laughs> and uh, so we were going to some great places, for example, the Wakan Corridor in Afghanistan and places like that were some of the most scenic places in the, in the unremote uh, places in, in the world. And um, also at the time, I was doing a little bit of speaking, motivational speaking. That was, you know, the further you move away from your career, the less those opportunities come. So 2010, um, I just noticed on, on Facebook, um, a friend, friend had uh, posted things saying that she, she just started at a photography school called Speos um, in France, in Paris. And um, I thought that that might be a good idea to 
to to go and uh, learn something else and um and basically had signed up about a month month or two later uh beginning of uh 2011 and i ended up doing a one-year course in in spaos and it was fantastic it uh certainly uh got me to focus <laughs> not just the camera but uh they they put us through it put us through it and uh learned a hell of a lot there yeah just to explain for our younger listeners a, a practica is a bulletproof um eastern uh, east german um film camera yeah did you have one chris did you have I, I had the zenith which was the russian zenith yeah uh, as well and, yeah uh, basically they were they were very very basic cameras but they didn't let you down so <laughs> <laughs> when uh, when did you uh, move uh, to uh, digital? So at the risk of making you at the risk of making you both feel old, I didn't have a practice for a Zenith. I started with a Minolta. <laughs> you can still buy one, actually. I looked it up this morning. <laughs> and when did you transition to a, a digital camera, Richard? Um, so actually, I was, I was doing some of the trips. I, I took um, the Olymp uh, the Olympus trip. Um, that was my last film camera. So it was about. 2000 and uh 2004 2005 then i started use, using digital and it was just i remember sort of what then also helped get me into the photo i bought an old um it was local cafe i was living in fulham at the time and um wanted a better camera to take out on these trips and uh, noticed in, in the local cafe on the on the notice board there was a second hand um d70 nikon mm -hmm. it was a d70 and that was that was my first real sort of SLR um, digital camera. After you after you left your racing career, obviously you'd been right at the top of your field, multiple time champion jockey. How did you find like moving into a new career where inevitably, however good you are, you're going to start at the bottom again? How how did you find that process? Was that tumultuous? Did you feel you'd learn anything from being a jockey that you transitioned over? Yeah, well, what was that process? Yeah, like? you know, obviously. Obviously, David, it's it's difficult when you retire from you know any anything any any sport as 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 well. Um, I went into to business, um, didn't choose my business partners particularly well at the time. The year two thousand two thousand one was running a sports um, sponsorship um, marketing company, and and basically from that that sort of didn't go too well. Two or three years moved away from that and then got more into the the sort of the guiding uh with the travel companies also the few of the ex, ex, expeditions um to the north pole to this uh, another one to the south pole as as well in 2008 uh but then as i sort of decided to oh we're going to go this way with photography i think i think you know there are a lot of things that you can take from from racing, um, just the, even the competitive side of it, I think that's that's quite important um, as far as photography is concerned. That you know, and also to be, I was through my career very self-critical of you know how I was riding, how I was competing, whatever. Um, and I think if that's important when you're you're looking at your photos, you're editing your photos, you know, you have to. Um, you need to get better all the time. That was certainly thrust into us at, at Speos. There was a guy there, Mark Proust, actually was one of the lecturers. Um, he worked on a World Press photo 2001 to 2007. 
And I always remember going in with a, maybe a substandard batch of images to show him and basically he told me straight away, take those away, don't want to see them again, get out. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was quite embarrassing in front of all these sort of like 21, 22 year old students that I was uh, um, sharing a class with. So yeah, but it was, it was great. It, um, you know, it certainly got me to, to I say mind very, I think very much photography as well as anything else. It's, it's, it's um, what you put into it and it's as much the mind as, as being in the right place, you know? Yeah. That tough love approach to your pictures, I'm sure was really made you develop much quicker than you would have done otherwise. Yeah. I said definitely, definitely. Um, Chris, it was, um, you know, you've got to be really tough on your, on yourself, tough and yeah, tough for whatever photos you've, you've produced. Are, are they going to be good enough? You know, so um, that competing and everything is, um, was an important thing to take into photography for me. So you were talking about being very self-critical. I mean, you're clearly a very driven person. You've had great success. Do you, even now, you've been in the photographic game for quite a while. Do you have a, a career goal? certain aspirations things you're aiming to achieve with your photography um i just just like to get better i think they they just could keep improving keep turning out you know hopefully reasonable standard of, of images but not yeah keep improving i think and keep learning i think you never never certainly never stop never stop learning in, in photography anyway you know so i think that's important i'm hoping now to um well looking forward to covid permitting um We've got an event to cover in March in, in Argentina, something I've worked on or I've worked with the team before, a company called The Equestrianists. I've uh, covered the Mongol Derby for them quite a few times, and uh, they've got this quite crazy race through the uh, um, through the Andes, about 500, 500 kilometers on, on horseback. So, you know, it's, it's to go there, and I'm, I'm, I'm sharing the job with a, a very good equestrian photographer, uh, Sarah Farnsworth, yeah, it'd be good to pick up and learn from from her and see how how she she does things out out there. And uh, yeah, so look looking forward to that. I mean, you you are seemingly still quite involved in the horse racing world. Is that or are horses like your favourite subject? Or do you I would, yeah, that? I think it's uh, it's not intentional, but I I think I've ended up taking images of uh, horses more than than anything else. Really, you know, I suppose understanding horses does help a bit as far as the photography is concerned. I've been looking at images certainly since a lot since the, the early 70s. Um, what works, I suppose, comes maybe a bit more natural than it would in, in other, other spheres of photography. As it turned out, so some of the jobs I've, I've worked with, I've worked for, for an equine charity, the Brook Hospital, yeah, now no, with the, the race, hoping to go out again to Mongolia at some stage as, as well. So so a lot of the jobs coming in tend, tend to be equine, um, working with vets as well, animals. I'd like to do in the future a bit more wildlife photography. Um, a good friend of, of Chris's, Chris Weston, I went out with him on a trip to the Camargue, again, photo photographing horses, but uh, fantastic, fantastic trip as, as well. And and. For me, also working with Chris was fantastic. Learning more from from him too. 
Yeah, I know that insight into animal behaviour, which you've gained through horses, will help you with all your wildlife. That's it. And uh, as you know, Chris, he's, he's fantastic work. He's, he does such a fantastic job as as a wildlife photographer, Chris, doesn't he? Yes, indeed. I mean, you've mentioned quite a few photographers, actually. Like, if you had to pick some that inspire you, who who would they be? Yeah. Who, who would be your photographer? So they, they, they inspire and actually... And another thing I got into, I suppose, meeting this photographer I went out with, again, on a, a couple of um, sorties, whatever, um, and to learn and, and to basically have a class w- with him. A good guy called Jason High, war photographer. We travelled around Afghanistan and he basically showed me how to hold a camera, whatever. Very inspired by some of the, um, the war photographers as 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 well don mccullen yeah some some of those amazing images the robert kappas some of jason's images from colombia and afghanistan are just absolutely incredible as 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 well so um the other day um one thing living close to madrid we all always also have some great exhibitions here steve mccurry um it was i think a hundred hundred of his best photos and uh, I have to say it was phenomenal. His positioning, his framing was just in, in, incredible. Yeah, even better than I sort of, you know, having seen a lot of his images over the years. I, to go around it again, knowing a bit more about photography maybe than I did when I, I you know, 10, 10 years ago when I first started seeing his images, absolutely amazing now for me. Yeah, I think photography really comes alive in an exhibition setting. You know, when you're able to just spend time looking at a well-printed picture and absorb it and revisit it, it's kind of a, a very different photographic experience from what most of us are used for, used to, which is the transient, quick digital images on screen. Yeah, certainly they they were. For example, the th- those the three fishermen. Obviously, his his portraits. There's a memorable one of the the Buddhist monks or the training monks and one running, basically running up the wall. I just find his positioning, his, his the separation in his photos as, as well. There was nothing, there was nothing in the wrong place. I basically, went all the way around a hundred images, and you could hardly pick any any fault out of any any of those images. You know, the the, the girl staring through the the misty window as he was in traveling in a taxi. Yeah, incredible. When you're out shooting, Richard, do you plan, do you spend time planning what you're going to do and pre-visualise, or are you very much more a spontaneous photographer? Um, certainly on certainly on an event like the, the Gaucho Derby, we want, we want to get it as planned as, as, as possible, try and get into the right right place for the, you know, the start when you've got 35 horses <laughs> lying abreast and then disappearing off into the distance. You want to ca- capture those shots that, will be you know we we'll be sending them straight off to the media 25 30 minutes of, of of the departure so you know you need to to have it all planned beforehand and obviously you've got to adapt you know the last time we were up there the, we had a storm hit us conditions aren't uh, aren't the best in the andes sort of mid march and uh, at times and um yeah you've got to be prepared and uh, you've got to adapt as, as as well along along the way you know so it's uh it's i'm not saying it's a, it's a tough job out there yeah it's uh it's good it's challenging and uh yeah i, I enjoyed i enjoy really enjoy working with the what they call the equestrians equestrianists now they wear the the adventurists yeah they've got good good team working for them do you have altitude to cope with as well 
Yeah, so we're, we're up probably, can get up to around 2,000 2, 2, metres there. So not high Andes, but uh, sort of more in the in the foothills. But um, yeah, you know, storm and rain and snow comes in and it's... <laughs> You know, it just makes makes things things difficult with the, with with the cameras as as well. So, um, you know, fortune most most of the time I have would have a jeep driver with me. As uh, other times, uh, I didn't ride much the the last time, but I probably this year would probably ride a leg as well with the riders, go ahead of them, and then get to certain points along the way. You know, f- photograph them with fantastic backdrops. They finish in front of uh, Mount Fitzroy, town called El Chalten. Uh, which is one of the most, I would say, one of the most scenic towns in uh, in Argentina. Horse racing, or horses rather, were mainly your introduction to pro photography, but I noticed from your website you're also doing things like drone photography now. Is that something you want to get into? No, I was, um, it's actually, I was actually stuck up on a plane there. Oh. <laughs> with, the, with the ones in North, Northumberland, yeah. A little um, two-seater uh, with a um, pilot was called Storm, uh, and yeah, he took the doors off. It's fantastic. Yeah, that certainly certainly helped the 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 images. That was from a mate of mine that runs runs a cafe up in in Northumberland, and um, just thought that uh, you know he'd, he'd like to to have it. The castles, the the monuments around um, Northumberland, yeah, have, have them photographed. We kind of all assume they're drones now, but obviously, yeah. <laughs> Some people do still get into planes, Chris. Get into planes <laughs> as well. Yeah. Do, doing I've it done the one with the I've done the one with the door off as well in St. Lucia. Oh, it's, it's yeah, it was invaluable really for, for, for the images. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, it's the frayed seatbelt that was slightly concerning me when I did it. <laughs> yeah, I was just imagining my I was just imagining my my Nikon D4 flying out the, the window as well. It's all right, Chris. Yeah. You're only you're only little. You only need half a seatbelt to hold you in. It's not a lot of weight time. <laughs> Tell us about your your walking adventure in Japan. Yeah, that was a, there was a good trip off the back of I suppose the the trips to the, the pole, and then I my nephew got cancer about 2014, 2015. I was diagnosed with with cancer 2014, 2015. I'd already been planning to do this trip. Uh, I'd walked a thousand miles in Newmarket for a charity in um, 2009. And I just thought <laughs> maybe try and double that and uh, looked where to go. What's, what's, a, what's a good, uh, it was basically that, that thousand mile was up and down a street in Newmarket. It was the most boring thing I've ever done in my life. So I said, if I'm ever going to do another, another charity uh, walk, I'll, I'll definitely go from A to B, and I uh, had never been uh, to Japan before. Picked up a book and uh, described a guy walking uh, the length of Japan, and it was two thousand miles. And uh, so we put, we put it together and to raise money for Sarcoma UK, the cancer charity. And uh, yeah, it worked, worked well. But um, t- took a little point and shoot camera with me. Um, Reasonable images from it. Some of them were published, uh, but you wish you'd taken it, a camera now. Wish I'd taken an SLR. Yeah. Did you? Did it was just. I, there was just no way I could take it, Chris. At the time, weight-wise, was was everything. I think. I suppose looking back now, probably with a Sony, just a little bit smaller, a little, a little one of the A7s would have been fantastic. Yeah, but it would have been. Yeah, it would have been nicer to have had a D4 
decent camera along the way. But the main thing was for me setting up was to make sure we were uh, get to the end, you know, complete it really, and um, weight as it was, I was probably probably carrying twenty kilos. Um, yeah. So I was totally unassisted and just working out accommodation along the way, booking it along the way as, as well. So covering about 40, uh, average 40K a day is, um, took 100 days to, to, to uh, 2,000 miles. You better do it again the other way. <laughs> yeah, I think they'll keep <laughs> hammering this time. For, for another day. I'm far too old to be doing things like that now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you noticed um, that, you know that your photog- your website's obviously full of lots of photography, but um, you also offer web design. So, how did that come about? That came about basically during the lockdown. Olivia and I had done one or two sites for for a friend friend of ours, uh, Liz Ampery. She works in PR, and um, various clients of hers through lockdown needed websites, and basically we 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 moved in that that direction. Ended up doing, for, uh, for example, for Ed, Ed Chamberlain, presenter on on ITV Racing. Rough Scott, some people may have heard of as a, as a sports writer, fant- fantastic writer. It started off as a jockey in, in racing and then moved into um, racing racing journalism, into jockey's fun. So um, at the moment, we're, we're still doing the odd the odd webs the odd website, but also we're managing the ones we've we've done from. From the lockdown but as it probably will will work out through through this year looking to get back to to traveling again you know so after the guide show uh looking forward to, to more trips with companies i've i've led trips before wild frontiers mentioned earlier uh ride worldwide started doing trips for them as well over the last couple of years before lockdown um so yeah hopefully get traveling again and got- are you shooting from horseback are you are you is this is that very much the mode of transport? Are you actually now taking pictures from the riding position? So yeah, I I will. Um, yeah, I, I'll have a, an SLR um, round my neck, and um, usually I ask for a very quiet mind. Um, <laughs> touch, <laughs> touch touch wood. I uh, yeah, probably asking for it now, but um, touch wood have stayed in the plate on, on trips that have been, been photographing. There will be times when I'll say, let the horse go and, and get off and, and have them have the guys canter and pass or, or whatever in action. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a good, especially this, uh, the, the guide show, I, I think we'll probably do a leg and again, be photographing from, from horseback. Talking of these trips that you're hoping to get going again, on later this year have you got any top target locations you want to go to and if so why getting back to namibia that that was that was great through the namib desert the maryland um hoping to hopefully to, to take a trip there in in august looking looking forward to that again shooting wildlife from from horses get that little bit closer to, to them as 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 well um so that that should help I just thought for looking back, some of the best trips done in the past, mentioned it earlier, the, the Wakan Corridor is one of the most scenic places I've, I've ever been been to in Afghanistan, that north northeasterly sort of corner, very remote, and there's a few Kyrgyz tribes up there, so brilliant for portrait photography as, as well. Yeah, 
uh, Tajikistan. Now also we've we've led a um, a ride through all the way from Kyrgyzstan, the border of Kyrgyzstan into Tajikistan, all the way through Tajikistan, and that was very similar in, in a way. We were ending up basically having to to almost rebuild some of the roads as we went up some of these uh, valleys, uh, very narrow valleys. Uh, they would open up. And there'd end up being a, a village up there. The people, yeah, absolutely, absolutely amazing. Some of some of the kids with bright blue eyes. Apparently, Alexander and his his voice had gone through there, three hundred BC or whatever. And uh, yeah, it was, it was. They were quite fantastic trips. Your career as a jockey um, must have had a lot of adrenaline-filled moments. What is it that excites you about photography? Yeah, it's um, getting a decent image is the one thing that's that really excites. You know, you you think you may have captured it. You know, I'll tend to to look because if you're editing at the end of the day, you want to sort of mark the, the best ones. You know, you've you've only got so long to go through them through them every evening, so you want to pick out the the four or five that really show off the best points of the day. And uh, yeah, getting them. Getting a really decent image, yeah, that, that's, that's the main thing that, that excites me in photography. Is the adrenaline rush in any way comparable to what you would have had in your racing career? I get as much, I, I, I'm saying not quite the kick from riding a, a national winner, but you do get a kick. Uh, okay, well, I think we have exhausted our list of questions and we've gone off in some interesting tangents as well. Chris, have you got anything else? I just wanted to to ask Richard, he, he's a judge on Travel Photographer of the Year, what he thinks of travel photography at the moment. Is it something that fascinates you? Is it inspire you? Or is it? do you feel it's kind of a bit stuck in a rut? I suppose, well, also with COVID has, you know, Chris, obviously that's massively affected it. Oh, um, absolutely, yes. Yeah. You know, the, being able to travel is a bit of a handicap for a travel photographer. The, stand, the standards have, have dropped slightly, but from my side, I'm, I'm just looking forward to getting back out there again and and getting out with the camera. We've got it on our doorstep here. We've got some beautiful places. La Padritha, trekking and the hiking are fantastic. Spain is a wonderful com- country to to travel around. It's so diverse, from the north to the Andalusia in the, in the south, the Pyrenees everything else but to to get to those sort of more exciting venues like antarctica or or places like that or back to the andes yeah i think that's that's important to you know to reignite those flames i think those travel flames yes i i, I don't think any travel photographers would disagree with you on that <laughs> not not in the slightest I think just just touching on again you being being a judge actually what and this may be helpful for people thinking of entering the competition. What, as a judge, do you look for? What what really jumps out to you when you're judging travel pictures? Well, for, for me, it's, it's capturing capturing a moment. I think David is is very very important. That's um, and again, travel photography, anything else, capturing those moments. I think it's, it says everything. Obviously, you've got all the rules in photography. You know, whether it's the thirds, the diagonals, leading lines, everything everything else. But photography at times doesn't you know listen to the rules does it doesn't obey the rules all, all the time some of the best ever images don't don't obey obey the rules at, at times another thing i think is is very important whether portrait photography but i think eyes are so important whether it's photographing wildlife portraits it's 
it's, it's you they say it's you know it's the way to the soul um i think that that is very very important in, in a in an image as well so yeah putting all those things together great well thank you very much richard for your insight into both your career and and your photography it's been great to talk to you and i hope you enjoy that trip to the andes and antarctica follows not too long afterwards thanks very much chris david thank you Thank you. Thank you for joining us.